I am Jen Wilson, author and body, mind and soul coach. Welcome to the I Am podcast, where we explore who you are. Hi, it is Jen and today's guest is Rhiannon Neal. So Rhiannon reached out to me, I think, summer 2019 to ask if she could be a guest on the podcast and at the time I wasn't recording any podcasts and I'd say to her I'll get back in touch when I'm back recording and then I completely forgot but I've only been recording for this year but thankfully she remembered and saw this time in lockdown as a great time to reach out to people and to try and get to be on as a guest to podcasts and I'm very grateful that she did. So this was the very first time that we had ever had any conversation. I had no idea what we were going to talk about and I do really enjoy those kind of conversations when I'm going in completely blind and just learning about somebody and Rhiannon is just delightful. What an amazing human being and what a great conversation that we had. We went all over the place with it. Um, Yeah, it was just such a natural flowing just let it drop anywhere kind of conversation so I hope you enjoy it and as always if you like it please share please like please subscribe pass it on to anybody that you think will get a benefit from the conversation and remember if you want to be a guest on the the podcast if you want to have a chat and it can be literally about anything or nothing then please reach out to me and we will get you on the show so enjoy today's show
Hello. Hi. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Very good, thank you. Good. It's just, um, you know, that even you're sitting at the computer and you're like, oh, I'll just do this quickly while I'm waiting, or I'll just do that. And then all of a sudden it's like, fuck, the time. <laughs> I do it all the time, I know. <laughs> oh, so how is life treating you just now? It's okay. I'm having good days and bad days. Um, I have a daughter who is, well, she'll be three in July, so she's a toddler. Uh, and I'm used to having kind of four days a week as work weeks. And I normally work a Saturday as well. And obviously right now that's all gone out the window. So yeah. um, it's been challenging, but I definitely feel this weird mix of emotions where some days I actually feel quite lucky to have a bit of time to step back and slow down a little bit and just enjoy like playing with her and playing in the garden and things like that and then other days I just feel quite stressed and anxious and worried about the business side of it and everyone's health and yeah so a real mix how about you have you just been human about it then yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) I am finding all of this pretty straightforward so I got diagnosed with Crohn's a couple of years ago yeah. and I am I have become uh, I don't know if used to but I have had long periods of time where I've had to get used to being in the house and not having freedom to go out and about and just do things the benefit to for me this time is I have I'm in good health so good. when I've not been well in the past and I've been stuck in the house I've always run those thoughts of oh I should be getting video content I should be writing about my book next book I should be I should be I should be but when you're not well you physically can't do it because your brain doesn't function that way your brain is purely based on healing of so course now I'm in that situation where I don't have to be anywhere I don't have like I'm only teaching my online classes everything else that I do as a bonus so that's why I'm like using this time to record loads of podcast interviews and then get yeah. the aim and stuff and have all of that in space so I'm mostly in a good place I do have times when I'm just like oh I don't like me right now <laughs> I know I know I'm being a dick right now <laughs> <laughs> I was just the loudest uh, yeah, my, my partner's just in the kitchen just now making his breakfast and he came down and he put his phone on and he's get Snoop Dogg on and I was like, going to switch that off. Like, I just can't cope with that at this moment in time. And he's like, but this is wake up morning music. And I'm like, no, I need to ease into my day. I've been up since six o'clock, so I should, four hours, I should have eased into my day. Ah, <laughs> oh, but you have. But just, for whatever reason, I'm just being more unreasonable than normal this morning. <laughs> listen we've all been there I find uh for me it's like certain certain uh days and weeks of the month tend to um yeah be more difficult than others and I mean I think we all have those days and it's really tough no matter how much you like your partner or your kid or your dog or whatever being stuck in a small space with them for you know 24 7 when you're not used to it is going to be a challenge so definitely (laughs) definitely so Rhiannon, why don't you, like, this is the first time we've ever had a conversation, um, yeah. why don't you introduce yourself to me and to the listeners? <laughs> okay, um, so my name is Rhiannon, uh, you might notice that I have a very strange hybrid accent, 
I am originally from Canada, from a place right in the middle of Canada called Winnipeg, but I've lived in Scotland for five years. And then I live in Glasgow. So I think now I have a bit of a weird accent. People here still notice that I'm not from here. And people back home all think I sound really Scottish now. So (laughs) the Canadians love that though, don't they? They love the Scottish accent. One of my really good friends is actually from Winnipeg. Oh, really? That's so yeah she's been here now I think 12 or 13 years oh that's so strange because yeah. it's not that big of a place like everybody knows Toronto and Vancouver but Winnipeg uh isn't that well known unless you follow ice hockey um, <laughs> we've got our hockey team back they were gone for a while so and um, so that's kind of how I ended up over here my husband is Scottish yeah and my dad's mother like many Canadians I've got Scottish heritage so my dad's yeah in Glasgow until she was in her 20s um, so I've kind of always had a bit of a tie to Scotland and my husband was over working in Canada uh, he was there for a long time before I met him and we had an opportunity to move back over here and I've always wanted to live somewhere else in the world so I was like right let's do it and then we moved to Glasgow in 2015 yeah so before we moved over I've always been one of these people who does a mix of things I've never kind of, I've I've always kind of had my hand in a few things and I've never been one of these, like, I definitely want to be a teacher or a doctor or, and I always sort of had different things I was interested in. So I started university as a theater and film major and I was taking quite a lot of writing courses as well. And then I morphed kind of into the journalism side of things. So my background is actually journalism and communications Um, And I was working in that industry for, let me think, so I was in that industry for about seven or eight years doing photography on the side. And when we decided to move over to Scotland, that seemed like a good opportunity to try and give photography a go as like my full-time business. So it was a bit of a shock coming over here and not knowing anyone and not having a support network like I did at home. I didn't realize how, I mean, starting a business is difficult, even if you do it in your hometown, but I didn't realize how much um, support and assistance I had just from knowing people and from having that network of people around me that could recommend me and knew who I was. Um, So it was a little bit sort of discouraging at first. Um, But now I'm five years in and this is what I do full time and I love it. I can't imagine it any other way. Amazing. Your whole business then will have been completely impacted by lockdown because you can't get out to take pictures. Yeah. So I have two brands. So um, my Rhiannon Neal brand is my wedding and family photography. So I basically can't do do any of that right now. Obviously, things have been um, postponed and cancelled, which has been really hard on couples who have been, you know, planning for months and years. Yeah. Um, I do newborn work as well. So quite a few of my clients had booked sessions in for the springtime with spring due dates. Some of them have already had their babies. Some are yet to have them, but obviously I can't be there to take photos. So that's been really difficult. Um, Family sessions obviously aren't going ahead. So Mm. yeah, basically any work that I had in the book um, has been canceled, not canceled, postponed for the foreseeable future, which means obviously that income is not coming in. Um, The other side of my work is brand photography. So I work with small businesses and sort of creative freelancers um, to create photos that really show off what makes their brand unique. So 
A part of what I do there is training in workshops. So I realized that not everyone can afford to hire a professional photographer every time they need photos done for their business. So for the interim times, I try and teach people um, to improve their photography skills, talk a little bit about visual branding and that side of it. Um, so that I have still been able to do. Um, yeah. Not been getting a lot of paid work in that area because small businesses have pretty much all been hit quite hard right now. Yeah. Um, and I just, I'm not a salesperson. I have nothing against people that are selling right now, but I'm um, that, it's not my forte. It's not my strong point. So yeah. I feel a bit funny about it. And um, so what I've been doing instead is just trying to add lots of value, grow my following. I've started a, a brand photography group on Facebook, so it's free to join. And every week I do a weekly photo challenge, a live Q&A or workshop, share tips, um, creating blog posts, things like that. So I am definitely still keeping myself busy, but not in the ways that I normally would if we were not yeah. in a lot. I'm not out with my camera, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, Interesting you're saying that about your free group. I'll need to join because that's one of the things that I am not particularly... I don't really put much thought into my photographs when I take them. I just oh. check, like, haven't got a horrendous double chin and that I'm not flashing my boobs. <laughs> the basics. <laughs> so it would probably be good to, to join that group to get to tap into some of your expertise. But I was just actually watching, before I came on the call, was watching a video... And it was a webinar that one of the women who's like a mentor within the fitness industry was talking about, because that's where some of my world is. And she was saying, you know, this is the time to be building your brand and getting people to know your name and getting them into your free group so that you're showing off what it is that you can do. So like that somebody then might go, right, can I do your, can I buy your course or whatever? But it's that nurturing them to help them get through this phase so that when you come out the other side people are like right I want to book you I want yeah. to come and work with you I want to do that I want to do that so like the free Facebook groups are so important just now for people and it's not just for us as business owners to to build our brand it's also so that we are providing a service to help look after people because that's what we that's what we want to do whether you're taking pictures or I'm helping people with yoga pilates nutrition whatever it's all a service that we're giving to people so that they feel more enriched in their lives definitely and I think it feels really nice to be able to provide some value because obviously there's people out there that are frontline workers and are providing services that we all need whether that's the NHS staff and um, the people that are working at Tesco so I can still buy groceries and um, the postal service like there's all of these people behind the scenes that are doing these key jobs so that we can all these unskilled that. workers yes yes <laughs> yes she will never live this down I know <laughs> but um yeah, I think it feels really nice to feel like we can help in our own way. And I know how hard this has been for me as a small business. It's You work so hard to build up your business or get bookings in or get clients in. And then all of a sudden it feels like it was wiped out. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really lucky that my partner has a normal nine to five job and he's still working. He's not been furloughed yet. He's working from home. Um, but I know a lot of people that are, as a couple, run a business together and... Mm or both people are self-employed and it's it's so hard on so many people so I think anything that I can do especially to help in the small business community just makes me feel useful right now and that's huge yeah yeah this it's hard when you feel useless you're like what can I do what can I do because because of my health I'm one of the shielded so 
I was like, I can't even put a note through my neighbor's doors and say, if anybody needs anything, I can go and get it for you because I'm not allowed to. And I was talking to one of my friends and she's like that, but you're still doing your online classes. You're there for us. So I'm like, have to remind myself that of what I, I, what I am doing and what I can deliver rather than just wallowing in this self-pity of, oh, I want to do more. <laughs> which is hard so right but that's such an important service because I think when when the sort of news that the lockdown was coming um when we learned that the first thing I thought of was people's mental health because I know like for me exercise is a huge a huge part of of my well-being and me kind of able to handle my day-to-day and whether it's you know yoga or pilates or meditation or exercise or whatever helps helps people with their mental health, that's made that much more difficult now. So if you're still able to help with online coaching, you know, there's my PT is still doing our sessions via Zoom. There's all yep. of kind of things happening, yoga and Pilates classes online and exercise classes online. That is helping people to keep their mental health right now, which is so important. Totally, totally. Because I think coming out the other side of this, if people are still coming out with their physical health, their mental health is definitely, because people were struggling before this Mm -hmm. and then telling people you can't go and distract yourself with your normal distractions. It's a different ball game that the system is not currently set up to deal with. So it's something that they really need to be putting in place now so that there's the support there on the other side. Yeah, you're so right. And and I think what you said is exactly right too. There's people that were struggling in what we would call like normal circumstances. And now all of a sudden, we're not allowed to see our family and friends. We're stuck in a small space. Yeah, we can get out and exercise. But I mean, I'm even finding that quite stressful. I'm quite an anxious person anyways. I definitely mm. struggle with anxiety issues and going out and trying to stay a safe distance from people. There's lots of people ignoring it. Um, and I think it's just really tough to do the things that we normally do to keep yeah. ourselves sane right now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There is, there is one or at least one positive that I'm seeing from this. I know a lot of people who I was talking to one of my friends yesterday recording a podcast and he was saying that because of this, he's now getting to spend a lot more time with his sons. His son's just turned one yeah. and he would be, out the house from half four in the morning to half 11 at night with maybe an hour at home in the afternoon and a couple hours at home in the afternoon because just the way his day works out and he's now getting all this time he's getting to get the wee one up and he's getting to feed him and all this stuff that he missed out on in that first year of his life because he's self-employed and running um, his own gym facility and I know a lot of parents have, have said that like where they've been out and kids being put in nursery or kids being passed to grandparents or whoever to look after and then a parent's now getting to actually spend that time so they're really appreciating that and going oh hang on a minute and they're starting to think what do I want my life to look like on the other side because I don't want to miss more of my kids life. That's a really good point and I think once I got over the initial kind of self-pity like oh poor me I'm gonna have to Mm. keep they're busy all day and I mean I am still having some tough days I'm not gonna lie but there is that silver lining of you know she'll be three in the summer she would potentially have been going into a a more full-time sort of setup at nursery and I was saying that to my husband like maybe this is our chance to have time with her that we wouldn't normally have and I'm lucky in that you know being self-employed in the type of work I do I do get more time with her than a lot of people that work like a full-time nine to five or run something like a gym you know with really long hours I do I get to get up and have time with her in the morning and she's not in nursery full-time and that's great but 
yeah, just having some time even to enjoy our home. Yeah. And, and the things in here and just kind of do little things that we never do. We've bought some plants to put in the garden and, you know, we've, we've picked up some like flowers and things for her that maybe we wouldn't normally have had a chance to do. So it is, there is that silver lining. And I almost feel a little bit guilty saying it because obviously, you know, people are getting sick and this is not a nice situation and people are losing loved ones and it's a strain on businesses. But maybe that is a bit of a silver lining is it'll force us all to take a step back and see how do we want to live our lives? What kind of schedule do we really want? Yeah. What are their priorities? What has made us happy in this time? Because for a lot of people, they're really, re- they're really understanding how much they dislike their jobs in some cases. Mm-hmm. A lot of people had justified doing their job because it gave them a certain amount of money to live a particular lifestyle. Now that lifestyle has been taken away and they still have to do that job and they're just like, fuck this shit, I don't know what to do this. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's good. You've identified that, right? What do you want to do? And how can you make that work in a new world when it comes? I know. And I think that's quite, quite difficult for a lot of people. Like I was speaking to um, a girl that I met at a workshop actually, and she was saying she had um, quite a sort of high power corporate job and she decided to leave and she's sort of trying her hand at different things and studying different things. She did a bit of traveling and, you know, she was saying she's still trying to figure out what she wants to do, but she realized she doesn't want to work in that fast paced, you know, working 10, 12 hour days all the time. She just wasn't happy, but I think a lot of people lifestyle and a certain income and it's hard to give that up. Mm -hmm. Um, But this might be taking a few weeks or months or who knows how long this will go on for. But having that step back might be enough for people to go, actually, it's worth cutting back my income or not having as many things to have a better lifestyle. Yeah, and I think the decision is being made for some people. (laughs) The universe has stepped in and been like, you've been on the wrong path for too long now. (laughs) This is the way. No, that's true. And it is kind of hard to do that. I think sometimes when you're in that hustle and bustle, like this is not that this is a break, but it is a break from that really busy daily life where we all have like places to go and people to see and busy, busy schedules. And when you're constantly doing things, you don't, you don't give yourself as much time to think. And I know I'm really guilty of that. I, for me, I think I really should be getting into something like yoga or meditation or mindfulness because I never just let my brain go uh, Mm. until I lie down in bed at night and then I can never fall asleep because I've not really given myself time to process all these thoughts and emotions during the day. So I think a lot of people are probably like that in their busy life they don't have the time or give themselves the time to sit and just think and allow themselves to work through these things. And now we're kind of all being forced to because we can't be as busy as we normally are. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What, how, what do you think about the way that it's like, you've got a background in journalism. What do you, what do you think about the way things are being reported? (laughs) (laughs) And how, and also this is like a two part question. Uh How do you, see the British media compared to Canadian media right okay so let's start with that because that's the okay. question I think okay. <laughs> um, in Canada you have a lot less outlets so in the city that I'm from you have um you're sort of the Winnipeg free press is like the big kind of citywide daily newspaper you have some smaller community papers you do have some tabloids that mostly come from America 
um, but you don't have as much selection. Now in the bigger cities like Toronto and Vancouver, they have quite a lot more um, sort of academic sort of style newspapers and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but there's a lot less, I would say in general, I was surprised by just how many newspapers and tabloids are here. Um, I was especially surprised by how many tabloids there are because I always thought of that as a very American thing. Um, That in the reality TV here, which is another subject. But yeah, I was really surprised. Those were always things that I thought were very American, but there's so much of it here. I think in Scotland, it's interesting because it seems like you've got your one kind of pro-independence newspaper, which is the National, I think. Um, I'm not an expert on these, but um, other than that, you seem to kind of have all of the newspapers almost seem to lean the same way. Mm -hmm. So when I was studying journalism, we talked so much about not having a bias and just reporting things as they are and trying not to to let politics come into it. But of course, politics come into it because often the people that own these newspapers um, <laughs> are, are politicians. Yeah. So I think, um, I think it's quite difficult over here to find a sort of completely unbiased news source. I think that's true everywhere, but I've definitely noticed it here. Um, without getting too much into politics, my husband's quite a big pro-independence guy. So he always gets really frustrated with the way that Scotland's sort of left out of the news a lot of the time um, and things like that. So those are the kind of main differences I see. Um, You know, we don't really have like, there's obviously no independence movement for my little city anyways, but um, we definitely don't have the same sort of disparity between the political parties in the media, or at least it's not as prevalent as it is here. Um, I think to the question of how is this being reported in the media, I think it's been really interesting because at the first there was all this talk of like, oh, it's fear mongering, the media's building up fear. And I think in some ways that that was possibly true in that it really pushed people to panic the way that things were being reported, even though the content was true, it was sort of the headlines that were coming out and the things that were being said. And unfortunately, loads of people will just read the headline or the first paragraph and they won't actually read down to the facts. And obviously, I mean, the newspapers know that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been bothering me lately in terms of the media is the way that the self-employed are being portrayed. So when they talk about things like the furlough scheme, it's very much like the government is going to help. When they talk about the grants and the assistance that is being made available to self-employed people, it's, oh, the taxpayer will be covering this. Like so, we don't pay tax. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I don't know if that's, I've seen quite a few different media outlets using the same wording with that. So I don't know if that's a press release that's been created and they've all just kind of taken the wording from that or if it is a conscious thing. But either way, it's really sort of pitting the nine to five workers against the self-employed. And that's really disappointing and up upsetting and really unfair yeah definitely because when you think about having a paid job versus being self-employed having a paid job you have that security and <laughs> in inverted fingers um you've got holiday pay you've got sick pay 
you have a contracted hours and many people work way beyond their contracted hours but you have contracted hours when you're self-employed there's no sick pay there's no holiday pay you have no contracted hours so many people are working from six o'clock in the morning till 11 o'clock at night seven days a week just to make ends meet because they are following a passion and following something and it's interesting I wonder where that's coming from that that narrative because they always want to make somebody the bad person like in all the when the um, junior doctors were shaking, the junior doctors are the ones that were in the wrong. When the fire service were um, shaking, they were the ones that were in the wrong. And all they were asking for was fairness from yeah government for what it is that they do. It's I think you're right. Like people always want somebody to blame, and obviously the government doesn't want it to be the government. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, with so many newspapers being owned by politicians or friends of politicians, or th- you know, we know how it's going to go. The rich people are in charge. The rich people kind of make the decisions, and they like to to make things and um, make them look good. Yeah. But it does kind of make you wonder how how we can get away with this kind of reporting like how how can we always be made out to be the bad guys if we're the little guy basically you know what you're saying about the junior doctors or the fire service or now us as the self-employed like we all pay taxes as well exactly like you're saying we don't get all of these benefits of holiday pay and set hours and things um but the worst part of it, it's not even the way the media reports it, but it's the comments that get generated after. So I've actually just stopped reading this stuff now because I find it so frustrating. And I know better than to get, you know, in fights with people online because it's the not changing. <laughs> but you read the comments and somebody I know um, shared something the other day and it was, it was about this self-employed, you know, all oh, the taxpayers are going to have to bail out the self-employed. And all of the comments on it are like, you chose this life. You chose not to have a normal job. You should have to fend for yourself. You should be putting money away. And it's like, how do you expect people to do that when you're trying to follow a creative passion? It is so hard just to make ends meet, let alone trying to put yeah. money aside. It's, you know, you're not getting a big six-figure salary over here. <laughs> I know. And I've got, I've got friends that work in the DWP and one of the mm, I don't even know what the right word is to use for this one of the directions that they were sending unemployed people in was to go and learn a skill to become self-employed so that that made the unemployment figures look better they were encouraging these people to become self-employed and to do this and selling that as a as a better than being on universal credit or working tax credits or whatever it makes their numbers look better but what they've done is they've pushed people into something that maybe, I mean, self-employment is not for everyone. You have to be a bit mental, I think. <laughs> I personally there. Totally agree. <laughs> there has to be something seriously wrong with you. <laughs> to go, this is a much better option than somebody handing me my, my paycheck at the end, end of the day. But for me, happiness is so much more important than the security of that that paycheck. And because I have been well the last couple of years, I have been taught by uh, by my financial advisor how to put money aside so that in the instance that I got unwell, I would have money to back up. But why should we be penalised for being savvy and saving some money because somebody who's employed might not, but their salary is still being protected? Like it's crazy. 
I know, and that's the difference. Like, obviously, I'm speaking to a friend about this who does have a kind of normal, normal job, and she's still been able to work through this up to this point. But she was saying to me, I, I get that it's hard on small businesses, but it's also hard on us because we don't know we could lose our jobs. And I mean, that's true. Like anybody could lose their job or lose their business. It happens, unfortunately. But it's very different when you know that, you know, if you lose your job, there's something in place for you. If, yeah. um, if you work in, in a career kind of a job, even if you lost your job for a while, chances are you're going to get another one. Yeah. For us, it's kind of like if we lost our business, we would have to start from scratch again. And even if, I mean, I do have that background in journalism and communications, I've got some experience, but I've been out of that industry for almost 10 years. It would be mm-hmm. near impossible, I think, for me to get a job again. So it's that if we lost our business, that livelihood would just be gone. It wouldn't be a matter of finding another job. It would be, um, the circumstances would be very different for us than it would be for someone who lost a nine to five. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so, for sure. Let's move on to something more positive. Yes. <laughs> that sounds good. None of this doom and gloom. <laughs> but, right, okay. Yeah, let's, let's, let's chat something positive. <laughs> was there something that you specifically, because you had reached out to me to come on to the podcast, was there something that you specifically wanted to chat about on here? or? Well, I was curious. I think you have such a good perspective on things. You've obviously had some major challenges in your life that you've kind of found a way to overcome and you've created a life that works for you along with all of your challenges that you've worked through. Mm. Um, And I feel like maybe that's part of being self-employed. It's like you're saying you give up that security for, you know, finding a lifestyle that works for you. And I think this is always kind of an interesting conversation, that whole, like, what what kind of prompted you to to get on the path to self-employment or to doing something a little bit different? Um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that or... So when I left school back in 1995... Um, I went to college to do a course in travel and tourism. Now I picked that course because there was a, an educational trip to Tenerife at the end of the year. <laughs> Brilliant reason, I love it. <laughs> so that was that was then my first sort of grown up choice decision to make in life. I then worked in the travel industry for 10, 11, 12, 13 years or something like that. I was a travel agent. I worked in the Foreign Exchange Bureau selling people their holiday money. I then went overseas and worked out in holiday resorts doing admin in the offices. But I got bored dead easily. Like when I when I was getting taught a job, once I knew how to do it, I was like, right, I need to do something else now. Right, teach me something else, teach me something else. I just I couldn't just go, all right, I'm just gonna sell you these holidays for the rest of my life or I'm just gonna sell this foreign currency. It was just like what what else, what else? And I had, I hated PE at school, absolutely hated PE, was not for me. I had a hand a handwritten note by my left hand, like, Jennifer can't do PE today. <laughs> Jennifer can't do PE today, every week. Like, teacher is just like, right, okay, whatever, hated it. Um, and then when, after I'd come back from living overseas for a few years, I, I had started going to the gym and going on this process of, making myself feel better in my own body. And I would I would watch the personal trainers or the people taking the classes and I'd be like, oh, that job looks quite like quite interesting. That looks looks like fun. They look like they're enjoying their job. I hate mine. Um 
So when I, I lived out in Australia for three years and when I was coming back, I decided that I'm coming back to complete fresh, fresh start, fresh slate. I'll go back to college. I went back to college and uni to do sport and exercise science and go into that industry. What I discovered when I was sort of coming towards the going to study this was I, I'll find a job in that industry as well. So at the moment, I couldn't teach classes or whatever, so I'll do an admin job or something just so that I'm in the space and learning in the space. So that's what I did. I managed to get an admin job in a really small fitness Pilates studio and was learning my stuff at college and learning from there. And then as I was coming towards the end of my first year at college, again, I was getting to that, I'm bored, I'm bored. If I stay in this job, I'm only going to be able to do what do you do in this space? I want to be able to expand that. So the only other option to be able to do that in the fitness industry is to go and get, to go freelance, to, to, be, to become self-employed. So that's like, that's your option. So started out teaching for a lot of the gyms, like the council gyms, all around the city, the uni gyms, some of the small, the other private gyms, talking about teaching classes. And then I was getting exhausted teaching classes because you would teach a class in Drum Chapel, way out in the West End, and then you'd be teaching a class at Parkhead over oh. at the Emirates at the other side of the city, and then you'd be somewhere down in the south side, and then you'd be back up in the north, and you just you spent more time in your car trying to get changed out of one sweaty outfit to put <laughs> into another one. And it's like oh, I can't do this anymore. I want to do something in one like by myself so that I've got more control over everything that happens. And I was really good friends with a girl who was on a very similar journey to me. She's like, why don't we not start a business together? So we started our own new Pilates classes and personal training and we picked where we went to be working and we picked our clients and stuff like that. We did end up with a studio for a couple of years and then just we both were not in the right place at the right time to, to be running a studio. It was like, no, this, this is not good. Let's close that and gave that up. But having that, that freedom to pick where I worked, when I worked, who it was that I was going to be working with and being able to teach the way that I wanted to teach, not the way that somebody else said, this is the music you need to do, this is the moves you need to do. That wasn't for me. I was like, I need that freedom. And when you start learning in the health fitness, learning about anatomy physiology, the more you learn, the more you realise you do not know. So <laughs> there is no chance I'm going to get bored <laughs> <laughs> because I can just continually learn. Like, there's always new research. There's always, oh, right, I know we thought this about the body 10 years ago. This is what we actually now start to understand. 10 years later, oh my God, no, this is what we now understand. So it's always evolving. And I'm like, oh, I found, I found my thing that I can learn about and I can grow in. And then I have that freedom to go, right, I don't want my business to look like this anymore. I want it to start looking like that and moving around and changing from there. That's a really long answer. <laughs> no, that's a good, but I think, I think we're quite like-minded in that way because I'm one of these people that actually really likes being in school. And I say that all the time. Like there's a part of me that thinks, mm, I could go back and learn a new skill or I could go back and, you know, pick up some more courses on this. And I think um, photography, while I wouldn't say, there's obviously new technology coming out all the time. I don't know that the knowledge changes, but there's just so much more to learn. So I started shooting professionally. I think this will be my 12th year. 
think that's right. Um, but very part-time at the beginning, but I've been doing it for 12 years. Plus I did quite a lot of film and photography courses before I really started actually doing it. Um, and I still have tons to learn. Like if I look at how much I've improved in the last 12 or 15 years, it's, it's huge, but there's so much more that I can do and learn. And even having this time at home right now, I've, I mostly shoot outdoors. I shoot quite a lot in people's homes because I do really documentary lifestyle work. Um, but I rarely shoot in this flat. I'm almost always, let's go to the park or let's go outside because I really like to use natural light. But this has sort of forced me to be more creative in my own space. And that's actually really cool when you think of it that way. You don't necessarily need to go on big trips or big expensive courses or workshops to improve your skills. You can actually just give yourself a bit of space in your own home and make yourself work with it. And that's been really cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. The other thing for you as well is a lot of your learning, you've got all that technical stuff and knowing about lights and everything like that, but you also, you need to know people. Yeah. Like you have to be, for a a good photographer to be a good photographer, you have to be a people person and know how to read people and engage with them and make them feel relaxed. Because one thing I am not is relaxed in front of a camera. (laughs) It's like Chandler face. I think. (laughs) We're also used to this very traditional, like, I know this is a podcast, no one can see me, but you know, you sit up straight in your chair and your photographer's like, angle your head this way, put your arm like this, do this. And you feel like a robot and it's super awkward. You have to stare at a camera and I've got such a cheesy forced smile. And I know that I don't like posing for pictures, but I think this is the problem. Like when most of us think of what a photo shooter, professional photos are like, that's what we think of that, like stiff, awkward, cheesy grin sitting in front of a white backdrop with, you know, a weird guy directing you how to go. Uh, and I get why so many people can't relax because that is, it's an awkward situation. It's not yeah. comfortable. It's not, it's not your own surroundings or natural surroundings. Um, so that's part of the reason that I kind of went the direction I did with the very documentary style most of what I shoot is candid, even if it's a wedding or if I go in to take newborn photos, I'm not putting the baby in like, you know, these, I call this a yeah. frog pose. With hands. Everything's quite natural. I that creepy. It's not for me. Like I do think <laughs> they can be very cute. Um, and, and I get why some people really love that style. But I think if you're the type of person that doesn't love to have your photo taken and you really just want some nice natural photos that sort of capture a moment in time, that's where this style of photography works really well. And yeah. even with the brand work that I do, so many people say that to me, like, oh, I want you to focus on my space and my products and not me. But as small businesses, we are our own brand and people yeah. want to see more of us. So whether or not you like being on camera or having photos taken of you, the more that you do that, the more you build that trust because people can see you and they know that you're the face behind the brand. You know, if you're a big brand, like, I don't know, like Nike or something, everybody knows, um, everybody knows who you are and you have that brand recognition already. But for us, we're trying to build that. And I think it just makes it, I know the word authentic is a bit, it's not my favorite. It's a bit unauthentic. Yes, (laughs) I do think. Taken literally, it is right though. It's like people want to see more real and there's so much fake on the internet. It's like, look how great my life is. Look at me working on the beach in Hawaii. All of, you know, there's so much out there. Look at how perfect my home is. Um, And I think showing more real makes you that much more relatable. And people go, oh, she's like me. Like she also struggles to keep a kid busy and her house is also messy. And people like to see more of that. And I think less perfect and more real, especially online, 
is what everybody wants more of right now because that whole comparing your life to the seemingly perfect Instagrammable world is just a recipe for disappointment, really. You're just going to be upset all the time. Yeah. I could never be Instagrammable. <laughs> but you are because you're <laughs> You speak from the heart and I think like that's what kind of drew me to your stuff. Like I had listened to a few episodes of your podcast and then I found you on Instagram, but you're always just so open and real when you post you, you speak like you and now you know, obviously this is the first time we've actually officially chatted, but in chatting to you, like the way that you are online is what I would have pictured you to be. It's who you are. Yeah, Whereas I, I, think I can't pretend to be anything else, but it just doesn't you're you but that's good because imagine if you were all um I don't know if online you were all like prim proper and acted really corporate not that that would go with what you do anyways but then imagine you met you and you go but she's so relaxed and down to earth and friendly and you know like you don't you want to you you don't want to fake and have to try to put on a persona every time you meet a client or you know go to a networking event or whatever yeah yes it I think like, I can't even imagine how, how you would start doing that, but it must be so much effort. Like, the brain space it has to take up. I know. <laughs> Crazy. It's always disappointing, though, if you do speak, if you have been chatting to somebody online and then you meet them in real life and you're just like, where's that funny person that messages me or says makes these comments or does it? Like, where are you? Come out. <laughs> you're like chatting at them. Where are you? You're in there somewhere no I totally agree and it's one of those reasons that I've always you know how some people as their businesses grow they'll start to kind of um they'll get people to help in certain areas to give them a little bit more time or maybe certain areas of the business aren't their expertise so they hire someone on and I totally see the value in that because there's only so many hours in a day and sometimes it's just impossible to get everything checked off the to-do list but yeah uh, it would be so you'd have to be so careful in who you chose to do your social media if you were going that route I know some people who do it really well and they spend so much time getting to know their clients um, and I think that's great but it's such a big thing to hand over because your personality is a big part of the reason that people are drawn to you and how you sort of build your community um, yeah. yeah it's kind of an interesting one I think it probably depends what you do as well but the people that do that job well are just so so good at it and I'm always in awe of how they have all these different clients and they manage to sort of to understand the way that each of them speaks and what their brand values are and what they want to show and you know even with someone else running their social media it's all different yeah yeah I've got I did have somebody helping me with my social media for a little while um and the only reason that I stopped was because when I, I went and spoke to my clients, none of them are really on social media. Oh, and I was like, okay. oh, it doesn't make sense to try and get more of you if that's not where you are. So um, I then got flyers printed up because <laughs> my clients are all sort of, not all of them, but a lot of them are maybe mid-50s, 60s, 70s, and they're not, they're not on Instagram and they're not on they maybe have Instagram and Facebook accounts, but they go on there to look at their families or dogs or cats or whatever, but they're not there to go, oh, I must follow this health person or this person that's swearing at me. <laughs> they just come to my class and I do that instead. That's great though. And I think you have to find what works for you. And it's easy to just think I have to be everywhere. I've fallen into that trap where I'm like, okay, there's all these social media channels. I need to be there. I need to create flyers. I need to do this. I need to do that. But I think if you actually look at where, where you're finding the right people, 
and where they're hanging out, that's, that is so much smarter because now instead of spending all this time and or money on trying to hit every channel, you've gone, okay, well, I'll still have these channels and I'll put some time in, but actually my time and money's better invested here. Cause that's, yeah. you know, that's where my clients are coming from. So that's a big, I think it's hard to do that. You need to take a step back and try and look at things indifferently. Cause if you love social media and your clients aren't on there, it might be kind of hard to scale yeah. that back. Yeah. I mean, I hate it. I, hate <laughs> it. I quite enjoy Instagram because it's not, it's easy to sit and just scroll, but you don't get caught up uh-huh. down particular negative rabbit holes. Whereas if you're on Facebook and you read an article and then it enrages you because that's what their whole thing is, is that rage culture to keep you engaged and keep coming back the comments and, and I'm just like, it's not for me. I'm nodding away over here because I cannot agree more with you. I uh, I kind of have this love-hate thing with social media because I've made so many great, I don't want to say contacts because that sounds corporate, but I've made yeah. connections on here. I've met like-minded people and I love, they've helped me in some way in my own life and I hope I've added some value to theirs as well. And it's nice to have that community, especially right now. Um, I'm quite an extroverted person and I'm feeling quite lonely. Just I've got mm. my 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 daughter and the dog here but um I'm used to being out talking to people and working in coffee shops and and so it's not the same as as face to face but at least we can do things like this with zoom we can chat a little bit on Instagram but um I'm really not enjoying Facebook either I totally agree that's why I said with the journalism stuff like I've actually kind of stopped reading it I've pushed a lot of it away unless I make a conscious decision to go look at a news site or something that I know um won't affect me that way but there's just so much of it and you get all these like keyboard warriors that just they're on there to start arguments and start fights and it's just oh and a lot of them are now not working so they've got even more yes. time to be on the art okay and i don't want to be one of these people that has my head buried in the sand and isn't paying attention to what's going on in the world because i think yeah. it's really important to do that but i also think that it becomes a sort of lesser of evils and i would rather be a little bit i'd rather have my head buried in the sand and affect my mental health by constantly reading things that are either scare tactics or you know we were talking about this sort of self-employed thing before like if you're reading that all the time you're going to be sitting there angry and frustrated and I don't want to feel like that all day long so sometimes it's better to just put it away yeah I've found that Twitter has actually been really useful to find out newsworthy stuff so I had set up a new I set up a new Twitter account and I've followed a few podcasters that I really know and like, um, uh, the Scottish government, like Nicola Sturgeon, so that I'm getting more filtered information of this is what this is what the facts are as we see them. Um, I follow a couple of IBD doctors who are sharing stuff about COVID specifically for people with inflammatory bowel disease. So it's keeping that that news feed more contained into the absolute essentials. You still end up down rabbit holes when you go and look at these things, but not quite in the same way. No, and you're right. Like, I don't, I've not really ever used Twitter. I've set one up, but I don't use it. So maybe that's something to look into because I totally agree on Instagram. You're kind of looking through photos and most of the people that I follow on Instagram, I've made like a conscious decision to follow them, whether they are clients or colleagues or friends or people that I know are kind of like-minded in the way that they're running their business or approaching their lifestyle. Um, but Facebook, I don't, I didn't 
don't even know where I'm seeing a lot of this stuff, but I think you're right. It is like a rabbit hole and you read one thing and then you go through all the comments and you end up clicking elsewhere. And I find I end up having a really unproductive day. If I, yeah. once I get started, <laughs> I could spend an hour or two just, and, and I come out of it more angry than when I started. <laughs> definitely, definitely make you feel good. <laughs> it's not worth it. I think you just have to... I still will post on Facebook for my business, but I've actually taken the app off my phone now Same. so that if I want to go on Facebook, I've obviously got lots of friends that stay in Canada. So I will go on and kind of see what they're up to and things like that. But I have to actually pull out this laptop and open up Facebook and make that conscious effort. Whereas on my phone, it's just constant notifications and I'm always on it. So that has definitely helped me. Yes. Yeah. I deactivated my Facebook app. I do, do still log into it from my phone so that I can just directly, quickly upload photos or whatever. But I'm like, I've been on it less and less and less because I do, when I go on it, I do catch myself. I'll just have a quick look at the couple, first couple of people and then the next thing, an hour's passed and you're still sitting there going, oh my God. And I had gone on to post a video on my business page and it's not done yet because I've been doing my rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm exactly the same. You forget what you went on there for in the first place. I do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Trying, I, I'm, the, you have to have the awareness, first of all, though, to be able to stop that habit. So knowing that I do that, it's like, right, okay. So having that conversation with myself as I'm going in, I'm going into Facebook to go straight to my page to post this and just check my notifications and then get straight back out again. That's smart. And you're right. It is that awareness. And it's also the discipline though to say okay I am going straight here and then I'm coming off and going on to the next task because otherwise you will just you know you'll fall down that hole and that will be the end of your afternoon or whatever I need to get um, I can be very disciplined with myself but I think for for that I mean the whole setup of it is to draw you in the colors the way it's spread out everything is set up to draw you in so um I do need to I think I was reading a book what one was it the way was it the way of the peaceful warrior or when the monk sold his ferrari it was one of those two books it might be when the monk sold his ferrari and the, the guy was talking telling a story about um discipline and what the monk it must have been the monk who sold his ferrari what the monks were doing was if they didn't do what it was that they had set out to do if they didn't achieve their goal they then had to go and it was almost like a punishment to themselves so they had to go and stand under a freezing cold waterfall for 30 seconds as a reminder of if you don't do that then you have to go and do this if you don't do that and it's, like, oh, I wonder if I should start giving myself a punishment exercise <laughs> Lines. I must not stay on Facebook <laughs> It's not a bad idea, actually. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting way to do it because, like, willpower only has so much, so much strength to it. And if you're if you're on a bad will, willpower day, you need the discipline to come in and kick your ass to keep you on track of whatever it is that you're trying to do or not to. And I'm not very good with the willpower. I think I can be quite good in some ways. Um, mm. During this lockdown, I've gotten really into running. So I was going to the gym and I've always really liked weightlifting. But cardio has been my nemesis for as long as I can remember. I just don't like it. I walk a lot. I don't have a car during the week. Um, my husband and I share a car and he needs it for work. So I walk a ton, but actually making myself run and get my heart rate up is not um, not something I've ever really managed to do regularly. So before this, I was running maybe once a week, do a couple of kilometers and call it a day. Um, but I've started running like five days a week. 
And I think the reason that it's working for me right now is because it's my time to myself. It's my sanity. It feels like a reward because I can get out and have 45 minutes to myself. Whereas before I was looking at it as, oh, I could sit here on the couch with a glass of wine or I could go for a run. And now I'm like, no, I need to get out. So I think the perspective shift is good as well. It's like yeah. whether you need a kind of punishment for, for doing something that's bad and <laughs> you need to totally shift your perspective and go, no, I'm making a conscious decision not to do this because I know it'll make me unhappy. But it's hard to train your mind. I'm not very good at it. I'm only just really starting to become more aware of of what I'm doing and where it comes from. Yeah, because they always say people are either moving away from pain or towards pleasure, and some people are more motivated by one than the other. So it's working out, do you prefer, are you somebody who will move away from the pain or are you somebody who's really drawn to pleasure? And then it's like you get the reward for being good or you get the punishment for not being Oh, that's interesting. Mm. I don't even know which one I am. I just know that uh, my willpower stops with, with eating. And I found that quite difficult uh, during this lockdown is like not going into the cupboard and eating snacks. And even when I do get out to the shop, not buying stuff that I don't need, because I'm, I'm one of these people that if it's sitting in the cupboard, I'll eat it. I can't yeah. go in and just have a biscuit. I will eat half the pack of biscuits. Um, so <laughs> yeah. maybe these are things I should start working on now. It's probably a good time to do it. Yeah, it's like... Where is this coming from? What what is this packet of biscuits giving me? What is your emotional attachment to that? Is it the pleasure of the flavour of it? Or are you trying to distract yourself from something else that you don't want to deal with? And it's working out that and if it's both, then which one is the stronger pull? Is it the really delicious flavour or is it the distraction or whatever it is that your your two things are when it comes to your little nuances (laughs) (laughs) I think it's definitely the distraction thing for me because while of course biscuits taste nice I think I'll eat out of boredom so not that I'm bored right now but I'm I'm in the house so much and I think so many people are in the same boat I keep seeing all these funny like memes and stuff on Instagram about like going into the fridge too much and it is it's just when you're in the house and you're not used to that I do work from home quite often but I'm busier I'm kind of having meetings and doing more things like this and things um and right now that's all slowed down so much so I think loads of us will be in the same boat and maybe now is the time for a lot of people to start working on the mindfulness stuff a little bit more aware and what you said is a really good point I never stopped to think where these um habits come from I just know Mm -hmm. that I have them so maybe that's quite a good exercise to kind of stop and think like where are these where are these things coming from yeah and sometimes it can be conditioning well a lot of the time it's conditioning that you had as a child especially when it comes around food so quite quite often what parents do and there's no judgment about people being parents everybody does their best but if some, if a child falls and hurts themselves oh here's a sweet to make that feel better mm-hmm. if you're not good you're not going to get that sweet it's always then used as a reward and as a punishment Oh, that makes so sense. Yep. That and it that when it comes to foods of why people have such a negative impact and it all it, it's passed on from generations. It's like what will we do to keep the kids happy? We'll feed them. What will we do to keep the kids quiet? We'll feed them. What will we do? So if you then have this unconsciously trained and a ve- as a very young child, as an adult, that's just instinctively what you do because it's been so ingrained into your psyche of if I'm upset and somebody hurts my feelings, I'm going to eat a whole box of chocolates. 
oh, let's go and celebrate that, let's go for a cake. <laughs> and even the way that that's portrayed, like, in popular culture, it's so true. It's like, you know, you watch a kind of silly romantic comedy or sex in the city or whatever, and the treat that people get, it's always like, oh, my boyfriend dumped me or whatever, whatever they're upset about, I'm going to eat a tub of ice cream. Or, like, it's yeah. even kind of thrown at us in popular culture. So I think you're right. It's probably far more ingrained in us than we think it is. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of things are yeah and then you'll have different foods associated with different people it's like maybe your gran always gave you like my grandma always gave us Maltesers when we went up and you would get one for each cheek (laughs) so every time every time I eat Maltesers there's one in each cheek and that just reminds me of my grandma and that happy time my gran it was was, um, tablet or fudge because she used to make tablet (laughs) can I have some sugar with my condensed sugary milk please (laughs) so anytime I have tablet that always reminds me of my gran crisps for some reason reminds me of my dad and my grandpa but I think they used to my grandpa I have this memory of my grandpa going somewhere and getting a box of crisps you know how you would get from the cash and carry and having a box and when I was young there was a brand called KP crisps and they, they used to have monks as like cartoon monks and all their their sort of branding stuff and the the box was like the monk's monastery so when you took all your crisps you had this cardboard box and this is just a really ingrained memory that I have that connects me with my grandpa my dad and and crisps. That's so funny though I never thought of it but you're probably right there's certain things that you get given as a treat or that you'd have at certain people's houses or you'd go to a friend's house for lunch and their mum would always make like you're yeah when you think about it, actually, you can start to see all those ties. Yeah, start to it's really patterns. interesting. Yeah. 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 We, we people are. We're fascinating. <laughs> it's so true. I've always found like psychology quite interesting. I think if I was ever going to go back to school, that that is what I would study. I did some kind of intro courses in my first year mm. at uni. Um, but I do, I read quite a lot of books about psychology and things just out of interest. And yeah. uh, you're right, people are fascinating. I know we are. That's why I like doing this, like getting a chance to have a chat with people and finding out a little bit about their stories. Yeah, and I think it's nice to chat like this. Like I've I've done a few podcast interviews before. It was like a very specific topic, so it was mm. kind of like, okay, I'm going to come on and talk about this. But this is nice because it's nice to actually just have a real conversation. And we've kind of been all over the place. We've talked about business. We've talked <laughs> about the pandemic. We've spoken about our career journey. Like it's, um, and now we're talking about yeah. food. <laughs> Good luck describing this episode. Um, it's really nice, though. It's interesting the things that come out. When people kind of just have a casual chat like this yeah and because and this is the kind of podcast that I like to listen to as well um I think there was somebody talking about why it is that we like the long form conversations and the longer podcasts and it's all because all the news that you see and all the tv shows everything's five minute ten minute segments yeah so you get a tiny wee snapshot you never get to find out about that person and about that story unless they're given a whole docu-series about them themselves on Netflix which is always great to watch I do love a a docu-series me too (laughs) Um, everything's so carefully curated that sometimes it feels like sometimes I listen to a podcast that's that I feel is too edited and it's very polished and it's very smooth but it's 
it feels really unnatural because you can tell that they've cut like they've cut chunks of conversation out and it yeah. doesn't really flow together and you always kind of wonder like what was said there I find it distracting so I quite like this um the more casual kind of chat mm. yeah I, I, when I first started it if you listened to any of the first podcasts I had I used to have a list of questions that I would ask because I, I thought that I wanted it to be a very specific way the, the, the way the podcast was. I had these questions and I'd be sitting listening to the person and they'd be telling me the answer and I'd be like, oh, that's a really interesting thing. I should ask them about that, but that's not the next question. <laughs> and then I would go to my next question instead of expanding on some comment that they had said and going, all oh, right, tell me more about that because that's more interesting than my next question. <laughs> No, that makes sense. And I think the same is true. Like I didn't stay in the journalism, journalism, journalism industry for very long. But when I did work for a newspaper, I worked in the community news area. And weirdly, even though I grew up in a city, I got given the rural newspaper. So I covered all the areas kind of outside the city, like farming communities and smaller villages and things. And I went in there with my list of questions, the way that I would interview like a politician or a public figure or someone who's used to being interviewed all the time, because obviously they're short on time and that's what they're expecting. And that's the format we learned. But I learned very quickly that that doesn't work on everyone. And if you are trying to talk to people who aren't public figures and professional public speakers, you need to actually get to know them a little bit. Um, and then when I started doing that, I really started to enjoy that job because you, you do, you get to learn people's stories. And sometimes you go in there with an idea of where the conversation's going to go and it ends up somewhere totally else. Um, and it makes the story that much better. Yeah. yeah. So I totally agree. I think there's way more of a human element to it when you just have a conversation with someone and see where it goes rather than having something that's so carefully planned out that when you're listening, it feels almost like a what's the right word it feels almost like a lecture or like you're saying like a documentary or something that's been yeah. very carefully planned and edited and scripted yeah yeah because I don't I think if Netflix came to follow my life they would really run out of content very fast <laughs> I don't think so it sounds like you've had quite an interesting life I didn't realize that you'd lived over in Australia and but it's interesting you know when you were talking about your business journey and how things kind of fell into place. I feel like that's a little bit like myself, obviously in very different areas, but I never, like as a kid, I did not think I want to run my own business. Even as a kind of young adult, I didn't really think that I could make a living off something creative. I always thought that photography could be a hobby, but I never really thought, well, actually I can make a go of that as a business. And it sort of just happened like little bit step by step. It was, yeah. Um, friends started getting older and having kids and getting married and wanting photos and then it was like well you've got a nice camera and it really all just progressed from there but if you would have asked me even 10 years ago where I thought I would be I definitely wouldn't be living overseas running a business um, and <laughs> a husband and a kid and a dog like it's um <laughs> Yeah, it's funny how how life works out sometimes and how I wonder if that was sort of always destined to happen based on our personalities and things like that yeah. or I think about that a lot it's it's interesting the way things turn out people that you knew from when you were younger and where they are now and some of them are exactly where you expected them to be I've got a couple of girlfriends who knew since you know we were six years old they wanted to be a teacher or a nurse and have two kids and a nice house with a white picket fence and they have that now and then there's yeah. other people like me who I think no one would have guessed where I am and yeah 
Yeah, I don't think, nobody would ever have guessed where I would have ended up, especially not working in health and wellbeing. <laughs> she knew when I was go. younger. That was not my forte. <laughs> uh, it's an interesting journey, anyways. I think you'd make quite a good docu series. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Netflix, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Open to that idea. <laughs> we'll have some guest appearances from yourself. <laughs> You've just volunteered. <laughs> that would be brilliant. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would need somebody to train me how to naturally smile. Your smile's great, but it's because you're just talking and laughing and you're not being forced to put it on. See, it all goes back to that, like just being able to be yourself and that human connection. And like you said, I think the, my, to me, the, the biggest job I have as a photographer is to make people feel relaxed. And so I would never have somebody come in to get photos done and just pull up the camera and go, let's go. I'll always make them a cup of tea, sit and talk for 20 minutes. Yes, it takes me more time but it's a way better experience for them. And I get way better photos because they're relaxed by that point. And normally I like, as we're chatting right now, that's what I would do if I was taking photos with you, we would have a conversation and I might say, all right, let's go stand over here. Let's do this now, but we're talking the whole time. So it doesn't feel like a contrived setup to get a portrait done. It's more of a relaxed kind of, um, and that seems to work for me and my clients. What's, a fav- what's your favorite picture that you've taken? Do you have one? Oh, yes. Okay, so um, I'm not a landscape photographer, but I really, really love to travel and see new places. And um, back way before we had Charlie um, and I was, my husband and I were just dating, we took a trip to New York. And New York was one of those places that I'd seen in movies as a kid. I'd read books about it. I'd always wanted to go. And I thought New York is going to be a disappointment. It can't live up to my expectations. As it, and it did. It was just incredible. I loved it. I loved the energy of the city and the people. And it was just incredible. And one night we decided to go for a walk and it was freezing cold. It was January, end of January, early February when we were there. And we decided to walk out on the Brooklyn Bridge. And I took this picture. I only had a semi-professional camera at this point. I took a picture up of the Brooklyn Bridge and it was frigidly cold. And I can remember standing there shivering and it was dark and it was the, the bridge was just lit and, and there were almost kind of no cars or people about. And I snapped this shot just up at the bridge and it's really grainy and kind of gritty. And it almost looks like it was taken on a film camera. And I absolutely love it. It's probably my favorite photo of a thing that I've ever taken. Um, favorite photo of a person would be hard for me because I've, I've just done so many. But any time that I capture a real like, candid emotion. Those are the ones I'm drawn to. So yes, the kind of nicely set up portraits and stuff are nice, but I always like the ones where I caught like a tear rolling down someone's cheek or somebody's grand smiling after they've hugged a bride or like things like that, that you yeah. just feel the emotion coming out of the photo. Those are always my favorites. Yeah. If I'm looking at pictures, that's the kind of pictures that you like to see is just the natural, what was going on, not the, the setup of it. Yeah, and I always, I'm always really drawn to the raw photos. So they're not necessarily the most beautiful, but like a genuine laugh, like a belly laugh, and somebody's face is just totally lit up with yeah. that laugh, or things like that that maybe aren't even always the most flattering photos. But it's, yeah, you feel like you were there. You can just feel the emotion coming right out of the photo, and I love those. Yeah. Where is your favorite place in the world that you've been? Oh, 
That is such a hard one. Um, I guess it's, there's places I've been that I would happily go back to. And then there's places that I just have a great memory because like something happened there or we had a great day there. Or so I think I've been to Italy a couple of times. Um, I spent nine days with my husband and a friend of mine who traveled over from Canada and we rented a car and we drove around the north. So we did um, Lake Como, Lake Garda, Venice, Verona, and then oh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but like Cinque Cinctaire. Um, no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Northwest uh, coast and it's five sort of it's a UNESCO World Heritage site it's five villages and they're you know the colorful buildings and they're all built up on a cliff and that was just such an amazing trip because we saw so many places and we got so much culture in and I can remember when we arrived we stayed in this tiny little town called Torno on Lake Como and the woman that we rented the Airbnb from couldn't even speak English and we went in and she, she was just lovely she was like your sort of stereotypical lovely Italian woman she gave us a big hug when we came in and yeah um, she phoned somebody, had a conversation in Italian. In five minutes, the guy in the village that could speak English was there. <laughs> on a little tour of the village and he owned a small restaurant. He showed us his restaurant and invited us there for dinner. And it was just, I've never arrived somewhere and just had this experience that felt so authentic right off the hop. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the one that sticks out in my mind. But honestly, I don't think I've been anywhere I don't like. I just love seeing a new place, whether it's somewhere in Scotland or back home in Canada or elsewhere in the world. Yeah, cool. You think you'll stay in Scotland forever? I think so. I don't know if I would say forever, but for the foreseeable future anyway. Um, it's It's taken a while to kind of settle in and really feel like this is home and I wouldn't say that I could never see myself living anywhere else, but I, I really like our lifestyle here. I like that we can travel. I love, I live in Finiston and I can walk everywhere and there's yeah. loads of green space around and the people are so friendly um, and it's taken a while to get my business set up and I'm kind of really happy with where that's going. So I think we'll definitely stay here for the foreseeable future, um, but maybe one day we'll retire somewhere nice and sunny. Uh, Costa Rica has always been the top of my list I, I've not I've uh, not been yet but um, yeah somewhere nice and hot I think I could see myself living one day yeah Costa Rica would be nice I haven't been either but I've seen pictures and it looks pretty special it looks amazing it looks like paradise <laughs> and they're so like eco-conscious and it, it's such an interesting place yeah yeah so where is the best place for people to find you online to see some of your work Oh, sure. Okay. So I'm at Rhiannon Neal on Instagram. So uh, Rhiannon, E-A-L-E. -E. Um, and then my brand photography work is Small Fish Photo Co. So I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Um, I've got websites for both as well. So yeah, you can find me there. Cool. I'll put the links to them in the show notes. Excellent. Thank you. Anything else you want to say on the podcast before we stop recording? I don't think so. That was really nice. It was nice to just kind of have a friendly chat and we ended up <laughs> talking about some really interesting things. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening and remember to leave a review and subscribe over on iTunes or SoundCloud and check out what's going on at IamJenWilson.com or head over to Instagram and give us a follow just following IamJenWilson.com.